we've been there 10,000 years, we will not have even scratched the surface. You know, I've used the analogy of sand before that uh, you could pick a beach on the Atlantic coastline and you could take one grain of sand and instead of crossing America, you could go back around the globe and drop one grain off and then go back and get another and bring it around to the Pacific Ocean and you could do that and you still wouldn't have even begun your time with the Lord. Now, I don't know how long it would take you to do that, but I know the U.S. has over 95,000 miles of shoreline. You could pick every grain of sand individually off of the shore and move it somewhere else and still have time to spend 10,000 years in the presence of the Lord. God is so great. And greatly to be praised. I don't know if we really can comprehend. I know that eyes not seen or ear heard. Nor even entered into the thoughts of men. But I don't know that we're even beginning to understand how great and powerful the Lord is. But I thank God that Jesus Christ came and He said it was necessary for Him to go away so that He could send us another comforter, one that would call to our remembrance all of these things which Jesus Christ has taught us, and that through and by that we can remember things in His Word and have some understanding of what He wants for His people. I thank God that we serve a Savior that loves us, that thought enough of us to put songs in people's hearts to help us maybe grasp somehow what we will be able to do in His presence. I'm going to continue this morning talking about Pentecostal winds. Now I'm just going to read one verse this morning. So if you would uh, turn with me to the 139th Psalm, and I'm just going to read verse 14 to start. It'll be on the screen if you'd like to read there. If you'd like to find it in your Bible, that'd be fine. But as you find it, if you would please stand for the reading of the Word. And I'm going to take a long route to get back to this verse this morning. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that may be something, I'm not one to have you repeat things, but that may be something you need to speak this morning. You need to read that aloud this morning. You need to say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can everybody say that this morning? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. God, that you made us just as you have. Lord, made in your image with your breath of life in us. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, help us to understand. Lord, speak to our soul this morning. Help us to understand how wonderfully we truly are made. God, that we are made to serve and praise you above all else. Lord, let what we do glorify and honor you. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Just simply let us glorify and honor you in this place. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Now last week I talked about all in. I looked at uh, the Feast of Pentecost in Leviticus chapter 23 and we read verses 15 through 22 if you want to go back and look at that. And, and I tried to get you to understand that as a Pentecostal church, yes, we like swinging from the chandelier, shouting your shoe heels off, being laid out in the Spirit, speaking in tongues. We like all of that. I'm much like Paul. I thank God I speak in tongues more than ye all. But that is not what Pentecost is about. If you go back and you look at the uh, original feast and you start trying to get some level of understanding about Pentecost, being Pentecostal is really about being all in with God. It's something that costs you a great deal. It is a costly sacrifice that you have to make and you have to be willing to leave absolutely everything and be all in with the Lord. That is really the, the crux of Pentecost and what it is about. You can see that even with our own denomination, our church. I don't know how many of you know, but uh, back in 1886, we were actually set in order on August 19th, 1886, and we were a single congregation in the foothills of the Unicoi Mountains, which is on the Tennessee-North Carolina border. And it was roughly about eight people. Some sources say more, some say less, but it was roughly eight people in an old mountain shack, essentially, that started this movement known as the Church of God. But these people were all in. They were committed that they had to seek out the Lord and they had to follow what He had for them. And now today, from eight uneducated mountain folks in the foothills of the Unicoi Mountains, we have grown to 7 million plus members. From eight people, they have spread the gospel and we are now over 7 million members strong. From one congregation in the foothills of the mountains, we are now more than 36,000 congregations strong. From one congregation in one state, we are now spread across 178 nations and territories. We have schools and Bible colleges. We've got a school in Lusaka, Zambia. We've got a Bible training college in, of all places, Lahore, Pakistan as an extension of Pentecostal Theological Seminary. We've got a seminary in Ecuador. We've got a seminary in the Philippines. We've got our two flagship schools, Lee University and Pentecostal Theological Seminary in Cleveland. All of that came from being all in. But now today I'm going to start looking at the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. That's kind of the foundation for everything that we, we will cover probably for the next many Sundays in Pentecostal winds. That's the foundation is being all in. If you're not all in, you might as well take every sermon I preach through this series and just let it fall by the wayside because it's not going to help you. If you are not all in with Jesus Christ, then you are lukewarm. And he said that the lukewarm he would spew out of his mouth. You can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible and expect to get what God has for you. Being Pentecostal above all else means being all in, but it also should help us to understand that it is in all. 
Today I'm going to preach about the Spirit in creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, if you go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, you've got this creation account that tells us that in the beginning God created. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was with out form, and it was void, and darkness was up on the face of the deep. That's the very opening of the Bible. But now what we need to understand is that creation was not a singular act. It was not done in a vacuum. In other words, God himself did not do it alone. But there was someone there with him. We can look throughout the Bible and we see different things, but I love in verse 2 the very first thing that we have show up, the very first person we have show up other than God the Father is that in this void, in this formless thing that was going to be called earth, that the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit of God moved. The very first thing we see in the Bible is that the Spirit of God Moved After God created the heavens and the earth, the Spirit of God moved. We can see if we read through the Bible that we know that Jesus was equally present. You can go over to the prologue of John and we see that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the same, the, the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was Made. We can see clearly that, yes, God created the heaven and the earth, but he done it by the power of the Holy Ghost moving up on the face of the waters. he done it by speaking the Word. he done it by and through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Even creation wasn't done in a vacuum. But I have a sense that creation even mocks or mimics or foretells whatever word you want to use of our creation as man. Now why do I say, or or let me back up, not our creation but our recreation. You know we're supposed to be a new creature in Christ, are we not? Can I tell you that you can't even be saved without the power of the Holy Ghost moving first? Before God spoke anything into existence, and we're going to look through that, before anything was spoken, let there be light, or let there be dark, or let there be this tree, or let the cattle come up on the earth. Before anything was spoken into existence, the Spirit of God moved. Wherefore I give to you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And, and, this is 1 Corinthians 12 and 3 if you want to reference. No man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You can't even be saved without the Holy Ghost. This world couldn't have been made without the Holy Ghost. But we go through the creation account. And I I think we're probably all familiar with it. We see time and again as we go through the creation account account that God said. And then he would get to the end of that and he would move on to the next day. The, The first day God said, let there be light. 
And then you get to the end, and it says the evening and morning were the first day. God said, let there be firmament. And the evening and morning were the second day. God said, let there be waters under the heaven. And the evening and morning were the third day. God said, let there be lights in the firmament. The evening and morning were the fourth day. Obviously, I'm leaving out a lot in between, but that formula is the same every time. God said, and then that's the end of the day. The fifth day, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature. The evening and morning were the fifth day. But there is something that changes on day number six. We consistently see this formula of God said, once living things starts coming into being, he says, and he saw that it was good, and in the evening and morning were. We see this over and over, but then we get to day six, and something changes. God said, let us make man in our image. Nowhere else in creation account does it say God said let us make in our image. Everywhere else, it doesn't even say let us make anywhere else. It just says God said, God spoke, God told it. But when it comes to the sixth day, God said let us make in our image mankind. Do you understand that every one of you sitting in here this morning was already a thought when God spoke that. When he said let us make man in our image, he was thinking about you James. He was saying let me make James in my image. Kathy, he was thinking the same thing about you. I'm going to make her in my image. Stanley, Sarah, the same thing about y'all. Let us make. Let us make. Hey, Jesus, come here. Let us make. Hey, Holy Ghost, come over here. Let us make man in our image. Do you understand that every one of you in here this morning, no matter what your past, no matter what your future, no matter what you've done yesterday or what you're thinking about tomorrow, matter of fact, it doesn't even matter whether you're saved yet or not, you were made in the image of God. But that's not just the uniqueness of what He done with us. You see, also nowhere else does it say that He give one thing, dominion or power and authority over anything else. He just simply made and placed. But when it comes to man... It says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Do you understand that not only were you made in the image of God, but He has also tasked you with caring for all of creation. He has tasked you to take care of what He made. Not only did He make you in His image, but He also thinks enough of you, loves you enough, cares for you enough to provide for you, and He trusts you enough to take care of what He has already made. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created he, him, male and female. It's not just man made in the image of God, it is also woman. And God blessed them. He blessed them. It said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. 
subdue. Literally means to conquer and control. To enslave. In other words, all of creation was put here for your use. The entirety of creation was put here for your use. Not our abuse. Don't you misunderstand what I'm saying. God didn't call you to abuse that which He created. But He did tell you to make use of what He created. You see, He didn't look at a cow and He said, Go make use of this. He didn't look at a pig and say, Go make use of this. He didn't look at a monkey and say, Go make use of this. He didn't give a tree a brain to be able to figure out how to bring things under its control. But us, He made different. He made us unique. But you know, he didn't stop. The writer of Genesis did not stop at our uniqueness being able simply to control God's creation and tasked with its care. I think that would be enough and that should be plenty of reason for us to praise the Lord. That he thought enough of me to make me different than he did everything else that he spoke into existence. But where we really need to shout is when you go over to Genesis 2 and seven because everything else just has life it moves around and it's just kind of there but the writer of Genesis went a little bit farther and said that when the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground that he reached down God himself reached down and breathe the breath of life into our nostrils. Your breath is not your own. Your life is not your own. i got news for you, and I've got scripture for it. I believe in here. Your mommy and daddy didn't make you. You can argue with me all you want, but God Himself made you, He formed and He fashioned you before you were even a thought. He already knew your name. Before your mom and dad was ever born, Stanley Atkins, He already knew your name. He already knew your birth date. He's already got your days numbered. He already knew how you were going to serve Him. He knows what songs you're singing two months from now, even though you don't. But God Himself reached down and breathed life. In other words, He breathed something special into us that's not in any other living thing. What He breathed into us was His Holy Spirit. We are the only creature that has specifically said that we have the breath of God in us. There is nothing else that has the breath of God other than mankind. We ought to praise the Lord for that this morning. All of the birds were praising Him this morning. When they were out chirping and singing, what they were doing was praising the Lord. When you hear the leaves rustling and rattling, it's creation praising the Lord. Psalm 66 and 4 says, All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. That's not just all of mankind. That's the birds. That's the cows. When the cows are mooing, they're saying, Thank you. 
you, God. When the birds are singing, they're saying, thank you, Lord. When a pig snorts, it's saying, thank you, God. When a dog barks, he's not just wanting to go outside. All of creation sings praises to the Lord. But yet we don't want to sing sometimes. And it's the very breath of God that has given us life. We need to outdo creation. We need to sing and praise the Lord. We need to lift His name up for what He has done for us and for making us unique and for doing something special just because we're His. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. It ain't just the noises of the dogs and the birds and all of these other things. It's when you see the stars in the sky. It's when you see rain coming down. It is everything about creation that points to the glory of God. Matter of fact, in the 148th Psalm, everything and everyone is commanded to praise. Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise Him from the heights, praise Him all His angels, all His hosts, all ye stars of light, sun and moon, heavens of heavens, waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons and all deeps, fire, hell, snow, vapor, stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains, all hills, fruitful trees, all cedars, beasts, all cattle, creeping things, flying fowl, fowl, kings of the earth, and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. You can go read that and it will take you a little bit longer because I left out of the lot of the ye's, the these, and the ands. But there is a list in there that is all inclusive. We are all commanded to praise the Lord. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh. For he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Now there are some psalms that says that everybody and everything should be praising the Lord. Now, Revelation is one of my favorite, particularly the throne room scene in chapters 4 and 5. And you can actually go to Revelation 5, 13, and you will see that every creature which is in heaven and on earth and in the, under the earth and everything that is in them, in other words, all of creation, are giving blessing and honor and glory and power to the King of Kings. So you should and indeed are commanded this morning to praise God. But now some of you may look at me this morning and you say, Preacher, I don't feel like praising this morning. My tooth is hurting. My arthritis is bothering me. You don't know what my wife or husband done to me before I walked out the door. You don't know what kind of financial straits that I am in. You don't know what my kids have done to me this morning. You don't know what someone told me. You know what? I, I don't know. But what I do know is God has still commanded you to pray. 
days. If you believe that He is the one that is on the throne, if you believe that He is the one that is able to take care of the problems, then what you need to do is praise Him. You don't need to complain to me. I'll listen if you want me to, but it's not going to do you any bit of good. But what will help is if you will lift your voice to God on high, if you will do what He has commanded, if you will say, Thank you, God. I know you're still seated on the throne. I know that Jesus Christ is still at your right hand. I know that His blood still runs fresh, and He was a more perfect high priest, and He has already faced down everything I could ever imagine. And I know that He is interceding right now as the only intermediary between God and man, Jesus Christ. I know He's sitting there. I know He's listening. So God, I'm praising You that You've already looked ahead. You've already taken care of it. You've already got Your hand on it. You've already promised me eternity if it don't come to pass the way I think it should. I know that I've got 10,000 years that I can bow down at your throne. Praise the Lord. Why? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Above all of the rest of creation, you are unique. But now see, I know what the world tries to tell you. The world tells you you're not enough. The world tells you you will never succeed. The world will tell you they're not going to forgive you for what you've done. They don't care if you've got saved or not. The world will tell you that what you've done has went too far. The world will tell you no one really loves you. That no one will accept what you've done. That's a lie. Because God knew everything you would do when He breathed life into you. He already knew all of your sins before He ever put His breath of life into man. He knew everything you would ever do when He sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross. That whosoever could have eternal life. I want to go back to Psalm 139 for just a minute. And I'm going to read down a little bit beyond verse 14. I started with Psalm 139, 14. It says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have told you this morning why you are fearfully and wonderfully made. How you are fearfully and wonderfully made. How you are unique above all of the creation of God. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. You're here because your soul knows God created it. You're here because your soul knows. Now, whether you submit or not is a different story. There is something in you. You know what that something is? It's the Holy Ghost. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. And curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book, book all my members were written, which is in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. I'm going to read verse 16 in a little different way. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them 
Your mommy and daddy didn't make you. God made you. Before you were ever formed, you can read in the prophets, and you see, before I was formed in my mother's womb, yet you knew me. Here in Psalms, it says that the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them, none of them. When as yet there were none, God made you. And He made you unique and He made you special. He made you different. He put something in you that's not in anything else, period. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't let the world dictate to you what and who you are. Don't let your past dictate to you who and what you are. You need to understand that God made you, that He is calling you, that His will is that none would perish, that it all would come to the knowledge of truth, that everybody would come to the foot of the cross. That's the will of God. The will of the world is that you will die and go to a devil's hell. He, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants you, but God wants you in His kingdom. And when God seals you with the Holy Spirit and you chase after Him, the devil ain't got a chance. What you've got looking for you is streets of God golden gates of pearl instead of fire and brimstone. If you will chase after God, I promise you right now He's chasing after you and He's trying to tell you that you are enough, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We should praise, we should understand who we are. But far too many times, and I'm going to try to wrap this up, what we do is we serve the created instead of the creator. Somehow, we have come to misunderstand that we are supposed to be the Lord over little L, not big L, over creation. In other words... We take this box of tissues, it's the only thing I got here. That is created. That is fashioned with the hands of man. Now we get people that will take money, that will take gold and silver idols it was in the Bible times, take a car, take a job. All things come up with, with the human mind or human hand. Something that we are lowered over. I can tear this apart. I can throw it in the trash. I can take it and I can give it to someone else. I can use it to blow my nose. Nobody wants it after that. In other words, I am the Lord of this box. Little L, don't misunderstand me. Little L, I control it. All right, I control my job to a large degree. I control the car that I drive. But we'll take all of these things that we control... And instead of making use of it, we will set it right up front. And we will come and we will bow down before it. We don't even know what it is that we're serving because we don't know the composition of this tissue. We don't know if it has lotion in it. We don't know if it has some kind of moisturizer in it. We don't know if it's made from recycled paper. We don't know if it's made from some kind of fresh wood pulp. We don't know what it is, but yet instead of being the Lord of this, we will set it up and let it be Lord of us. 
You don't believe me? We've been doing it all of creation. Paul walked into Athens in Acts chapter 17. And he stood in the midst of Mars Hill and he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are called to be Lord over things such as this. But yet I feel a lot of times that we are just like those in Athens at Mars Hill. We are serving an unknown God. We forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has given us dominion and authority. He has given us, the, given us the right to enslave and make use of His creation. And we forget most importantly that while we are supposed to be all into God, that He is indeed in all of us. And He is calling us to be reconciled unto Him. And we do exactly what they done at Mars Hill. Found this altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. We're not throwing names. It's not using derogatory terms. You know, we have to be all sensitive about that nowadays. Ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. We have a lack of good biblical understanding. We are biblically illiterate. But the reason that I picked this out of Psalm or out of Acts is for two reasons. Because Paul goes on to say, Him declare I unto you. It is that same God that I declare unto you here at Mill Creek this morning. The same God that made the world. This is Acts 17, 24. God that made the world and all things therein. Seeing that He is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temple made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though He needed anything. He doesn't need it, but He desires it. He's calling you to praise and worship. He don't need it. He's God. He made it all. But He desires it. Seeing He giveth to all life and breath and all things. He has made us all one blood to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. But here's why I want to work to a close with this. Yes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whether you have served the Lord all your life or not, whether right now sitting in your seat you're convicted of the Holy Ghost or not, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God breathed His same breath into you that He did your saint grandmother. But Paul went on to tell them that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. God is here. God is here right now in this house. He is here to see the one that He fearfully and wonderfully made. 
For in him we live and move and have our being. A certain also of your own poets have said, For we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. He fashioned us out of dust. He breathed the breath of life into you. Before you were ever formed, he already had your days numbered and your name written down. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And at the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth. You know better now. You are no longer ignorant to the fact that God made you. In other words, you no longer lack knowledge. You might have been able to claim that before this morning. I doubt any of you in here could have. I don't know everybody. But you this morning, before you walked into the church, you might have been uh, ignorant to the fact that God created in the form and fashion that the Bible lays out. In other words, you might just simply not have known. But now, now that you know God is no longer winking at a lack of knowledge, and He is calling everyone to re. In other words, to change your ways. To come up one way and to walk out another. Not with the intent of doing the same thing tomorrow that you've done yesterday, but rather to walk in a newness tomorrow, a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Why? Because He hath appointed a day. Every one of you in here has an appointed day. Are you living like you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Are you living your life like you know that God made you, that He appointed you a day, and that you will one day face the day that He has appointed? What's that day of appointment? In which He will judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. The judgment seat of Christ is coming. Are you living like you are fearfully and wonderfully made? Do you understand 
that the Holy Ghost is in you because God breathed Him in you. And He's calling for you to repent and to come home. To live your life as you should. To live like you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because what is in all of you is calling you this morning to be all in. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, what I would urge you above all else is to come up here to these altars and do exactly what you are commanded to do, which is repent. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the same shall be saved. Come up here and confess, repent. And you can go in peace and you can know that for a certainty you've got 10,000 years ahead of you where you can praise and sing and cast crowns of righteousness at His feet and have Him wipe away all your tears. To everyone else, I would simply urge you to examine yourself. Are you living like you are fearfully and wonderfully made? It never hurts any of us to come and examine ourselves, to bow down before God and ask God to reveal to us what He sees in us. That's my call this morning. If you have not been saved, if you have not repented and submitted your life to Christ, please come and do it. He made you. He loves you. The world is a liar. The devil is a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it says in Romans chapter 3. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come and accept Christ. To everybody else, the altars are open, and I would urge you to just examine yourself.